I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and join me for the first time from the Dallas Hoops cast, Sydney <laughs> Myers. What you got for me, Sydney? Hey, how's it going? I also, I want to tell you, this is actually only my second uh, guest appearance on a podcast, so go easy on me. Ooh, there, what was your first one? It was the OP with Bo at Mavs Highlights. It was, we oh, went yeah, to yeah. A, a Mavs Mavs podcast meetup for the, I think it was the first game of the season against the Washington Wizards. Oh, yeah. So we went to the meetup and then, yeah, we did a, a group pod afterwards. It was actually a lot of fun. Mavs got the win. That was the first game where a player tried to like get under Luka's skin with the defense and physicality Bradley Beal did that so it was it was a fun game that, that was, was that was a good time that was like a huge round table though I remember I think I listened to that one there was like there was like 10 of you guys yeah there was it was me uh Tyler Adams the Reddit Mavs guy uh, which I had never seen I was like hey you're a real person <laughs> um and then yeah you expect him to be like a cartoon <laughs> Reddit like head the bot yeah and then uh Mike Fisher jumped on for a little bit and then Abe Hernandez was there from uh, Dallas Sports Fanatic. Oh, fish. So. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, all right. On the show yeah. today, I'm bringing in Sydney. Uh, I have to make an announcement. And I'll do this for Isaac. His wife did give birth to his daughter. Uh, they are doing well. Wow. Uh, all I've really heard is she's here, but I'm assuming that, that means everything's fine. <laughs> all he texted me was <laughs> she's here in all caps. So uh, send everyone go to Twitter and send Isaac love. Go send him. Uh, funny gifts go send him just any kind of just love on twitter uh whether it's just straight adding him or responding to one of his tweets let's just fill his notifications with love and you know encouragement and just like hey you know congrats on you know he's a girl dad now so so add a bunch of that in there so and then obviously go read his piece on mavs.com if you haven't about being a girl dad he interviewed a bunch of mavericks that have daughters uh it's a really really good piece really touching uh there's some really funny stuff in there so go read that there's a link in the description of this podcast uh and you can follow sydney if you click the link in the podcast as well so you can follow her there um yeah on today's show though we are going to be talking about the dallas mavericks going forward we're talking all about uh the recap with with jake yesterday we talked with isaac about where they you know the mavericks are and so now since we still have not had any games since the all-star break we are now (laughs) looking forward um, and let's start with this. I want to start with a game of something or nothing. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you a statement and you tell me if this is something or nothing and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. The Dallas Mavericks are the only playoff team with 14 home losses. Is that something or nothing? Only playoff team in the NBA, East and West. I think it's something because, and we've talked about this on the pod, I think it says something about their. Uh, their mentality um, to beat, like to go deep into the playoffs, it requires a lot of mental toughness and consistency and st- uh, stability. Carlisle talks about the process and sticking with it. And I think their home record to me, it, it, it says something about their youth. They just, they don't have that killer instinct yet. So I think it's something now, I mean, I'm not saying I expect a deep playoff run this year anyways, 
but that's one reason why I don't is because they're a home record. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put it together on both sides, and I I still can't explain this home record thing. It just doesn't make any sense. Most teams are really really good at home. Uh, you know, like even the Sixers are terrible on the road, but they're amazing at home. They only have like two home losses. Now one of them is the Mavericks, and we'll talk about that one in a second. But <laughs> to be bad at home is just a weird anomaly that I I just don't even think we can explain at this point. I don't even know, like to to rebut your point, I don't even know if it's a mental toughness thing as far as it's just. Some weird breaks have gone bad, and then they've played some tough people at home. We went over the whole home record thing. Uh, I think it's a little mm-hmm. bit of something that they can't, uh, you know, that they don't seem to come with as many wins at home uh, as most of the other teams. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's a ton of something. It is weird. It's, and I've heard like every theory under the sun. I've heard. Teams just want to come in here and beat the mouse because they're good. I've heard when you're at home, you're around family and you get distracted. I've heard it's like any sort of weird <laughs> idea that you can think of. I've heard it for why the Mavs are so bad. So I, I mean, I don't know. It is so bizarre that maybe it is just a crazy anomaly and it, it ends up being nothing. I, to me, like it's got to say something, and so that's like what I think it says. But you're right. It is. It is kind of bizarre. Since the Mavericks will have a better road record than home, though, I would almost rather them have that, though, going into the playoffs where they'll probably play more road games in in the first round, at least. So I'd, I'd rather have that. That is true. Yeah. I'd rather have that. All right. Yeah. Something that's... or nothing. There are only two teams okay. that have beaten the Bucks and the Sixers at home, the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. Is this something or nothing? I think that's nothing because... Both the times the Mavs beat them, they were without Luka. And so I just, <laughs> even if it was something, it's never going to happen again. So I, I don't know. That I, I do think is kind of a fluke. I mean, not not a fluke, okay? They did it. They beat them fair and square, and everybody had a good game. But I think it's kind of an anomaly. I wouldn't expect that to happen again. Yeah, I think this is nothing. It's only something because the the Mavericks and the Heat, which is just another way to combine those two teams. I feel like they're always competing all the time. <laughs> Uh, something or nothing. It's something because it's cool. Okay, yeah, it, is, it is cool. And this one's cool too. There are only two yeah. teams to beat the Bucks and the Lakers at home. The two teams with the best records in their conference. The only two teams to beat them at home, the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets. Is that something or nothing? To beat them at home as in like in LA and in Milwaukee? In LA and in Milwaukee. So again, it's that same okay. It's that same win against Milwaukee yeah. without Luka. But the, Maver- the, the Lakers one was with Luka. Like that was a real win. Okay, so I'm I'm a little more inclined to say that it's something because, like you said, they had Luka. And the first time the Mavs played the Lakers, they beat them. Like, they completely beat them. I don't care what the box score says. So, like, if you combine that win plus beating them again on their home court, um, I think this is a little more of something. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that one a little more. All right, something or nothing. Brad yeah. Townsend tweeted out today that Rick Carlisle says he hasn't looked at the standings this season. Is that something or nothing? I think that's nothing because I want to say even in the past, I remember Carlisle saying you can't get caught up in the standings because then you're thinking about matchups. You're thinking, oh, we have a a a three-game cushion or something. I, I think I remember him saying this in the past. So, I think it's nothing. I think that's just good coaching, trying to keep them focused. 
Yeah, I think it's not. I think it's nothing. I also think it's a little BS. Like you have not looked at the sta- like you don't know what the standings <laughs> are. Right? Like you don't know who the yeah. best team. He has to. I guess he knows what what records everyone has. So maybe he could fabricate one in his head if he just starts putting together who has the best records. But yeah, you have to know at some level, right? Like you can't just not know. Yeah, like, that's true. You can't only focus on his one team. So. Uh, it's a little something to me. Uh, Brad continues. He said, pretty surprising, kind of like a golfer playing in a major championship, not looking at the leaderboard. Carlisle says he'll look at some point, but he isn't sure when. Like, at what point? I mean, if you have it now, you <laughs> might as well just not do it, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe I mean, he, prob- the, the, he probably the- looks at it. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. You're good. Um, he probably looks at it and then, but maybe just doesn't look at, like, the like the number of games separating the teams I don't know I mean he has to know who the best teams in the league are or like crucial matchups I know like you want to win every game like I get that mentality (laughs) but yeah he's got to know what's in front of them all right coming up a little more of something or nothing and then we'll talk about what we're looking forward to most from Luca Porzingis and the schedule breakdown for the rest of the season all right Sydney a little more of our game, something or nothing. Um, something or nothing. Everyone, except for Dwight Powell, obviously, is healthy right now, and they're not on the injury report. Is that something or nothing? Okay, that is something. One, because, I mean, obviously, like, you want to be healthy, and they're healthy down the stretch. This is the best time to be healthy. But also, when you look back, when they've played their best basketball, had, you know, significant winning streaks or, you know, one you know, 10 out of 11 or something is when they were all healthy. And so all of this kind of like up and down 500 basketball, they had Porzingis and Luka and just all kinds of stuff going on. But when they were at their best, they were healthy. So I think it's definitely significant and the timing could not be better. Oh yeah. This is the first one where I think it's absolutely something. This is, is awesome. The, uh, I tweeted that out today and somebody said, you know, the all-star break could not come in at, you know, clutcher than it is right now, which is absolutely true (laughs) that the Mavericks uh, got that all-star break. They were able to get healthy now. Um, I think Carlisle did say at practice today that Porzingis is still, you know, on a, you know, a turn by turn basis for these back-to-backs. I think the Mavericks have four back-to-backs left. And so I'm not sure if he's going to play all those back-to-backs, but, um, to have both of them going into the stretch run is awesome. Yeah, it's a it's interesting, you know, talking about the back-to-backs. Before the season started, they were like, yeah, he's not going to play a ton of back-to-backs. Or I think somebody said that he would only play like 15 of the first 20 games or whatever. And we were like, yeah, that makes sense because the injury. But then that totally didn't happen. He just played every single back-to-back. Yeah. And then he had the knee problem. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if they're actually going to do that and not play him back-to-backs. Or if they're just gonna go off of it again, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and you can go either way with this. Where, um, oh, I was listening to uh, Mark Cuban on uh, the Haber Show today, uh, Tom Haber Show's podcast, and he said, if you do load management right, this is from Mark Cuban. If you do load management right, towards the end of the season, you're playing more minutes, not less, ramping up for the playoffs. So you could take this thing either yeah. way for Porzingis. You want to sit him and make sure he doesn't get hurt towards the end of the season, or if you're doing load management right, like Cuban says, you're playing Porzingis more minutes down the stretch, ramping up to go into the playoffs. So, I mean, we'll see, right? Like, this is one of the things that we're going to see. We'll talk about Porzingis in a little bit. Something or... Yeah, and... Oh, sorry. Sorry, just one more comment about the the load management. I think I remember Dirk saying 
like few or several years ago, how he didn't so much like load management at the end of the season because then mm. when the playoffs got there, he wasn't ready. Like he he wasn't able to, he didn't have the stamina because he'd been resting so much. And so I think that's a good point. Like you do kind of want to ramp up your activity towards the end of the season. Yeah, and it's probably different for every player. You know, if you're dealing with an injury or something like that, maybe you want to sit less or sit more or whatever, but yeah. you know, who knows? So, yeah. all right, something or nothing. There is only one rotation player with a negative net rating while he's on the court. I'll have you guess who it is and then tell me if it's something or nothing. Wesley Matthews. No, not on the team anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, negative a neg- net rating. A negative net rating I mean, while he's on the court. Okay, so my initial instinct was Justin Jackson. And you're correct. correct. The, the only Maverick. Now, it's only negative 0.2, so it's not like an insane negative. But uh, Luke has like a plus 7. I think Hardaway has a plus 9. Yeah. Boban is the most with a plus 12. Uh, but Justin Jackson, the only one with a negative net rating while he's on the court. Is that something or nothing, Sydney? It is kind of weird that he's the only one <laughs> that has a negative net rating. And it's almost even, really. I I don't really know, um, because ultimately... It's up to Carlisle. Like, if he thinks based on a matchup or just some weird idea that Carlisle gets that Justin Jackson should be playing 25 minutes tonight, even though he's not doing anything, like, to me, it says something. Like, he's just not contributing on the court. But, you know, he could play 25 minutes a night for the rest of the season. So it's, I don't know, Carlisle sometimes gets these crazy ideas. So I don't know, but I think it says something. Yeah, I think it's a little something. I think it's a little of the eye test proving proving correct. You know, when the eye test and the numbers kind of match up, then you know that you have something there. Yeah, true. Um, something or nothing. That is so. I can't. Go ahead. Well, sorry. You're worse uh, than I was Isaac with, say... the, with the one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was waiting for the pause, and then I was like, "No, now I've waited too long. Crap! I should just talk." Okay. Um, <laughs> So I was going to say, like, I was surprised when they waived Ryan Brokoff instead of Justin Jackson, because I think everybody was expecting to get Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, that is. Yeah. I think everyone was expecting it to be either Justin Jackson or Courtney Lee, and it was neither of them. It was Ryan Brokoff, who actually, I thought, had some skill and a very unique skill set that could come in handy, you know, uh, depending on the matchup. So. That surprised me even more so considering that Justin Jackson has the only negative net rating. Yeah, I think with Justin Jackson, again, it came down to $5 million next year. Uh, Ryan Brokoff doesn't have any guaranteed money next year. Courtney Lee doesn't either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, with $5 million next year, I think they wanted to keep that cap clean. So, uh, instead of just lose an end-of-the-bench guy. So, all right, something or nothing. Boban is the only Maverick with a double-digit net rating while he's on the court. It's plus 12.2. That's the highest on the Mavericks. He's the only one with a double-digit net rating. Something or nothing? Okay, so do you know how many minutes he plays per game? Oh, not a lot. <laughs> and not very many games because, either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just that being that, that alone, I would say it's nothing because he averages nine minutes per game. So that's just <laughs> one of those fun stats that we can point out whenever we love Boban. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's anything. Yeah, and I think this comes this comes down to uh there's been a couple games where him and Porzingis when they're on the floor together, like the one that 
comes to my head first is the Cleveland game where they just absolutely went insane and they probably had a net rating of like plus 50, you know, and it just kind of, uh, yeah, his other games don't even out those crazy games as much. Yeah. He has moments where he'll go out there and within 10 minutes, he's got like six points and seven rebounds or something crazy. It's like, and then other games, he, he can't do anything or he can't get off the bench. It's, it's, he's very weird. I think it's definitely matchup based. But yeah, he has stretches where it's like, oh my God, this guy should be starting. But then you're like, <laughs> no, he can't actually do this all the time. I can't wait for him to have a moment in the playoffs. I, he's had them before for like the Sixers <laughs> yeah. and other teams. I just can't wait for him to have one moment. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to be played in one playoff game where he's going to have a moment yeah. like that, like you just said. I just can't wait for it. It's like the when the the season after the Mavs lost out on DeAndre Jordan and they got Zaza Pachulia, mm. and he was, like, okay for the Mavs, but Nothing when easy. they played the Clippers, yeah, but when they played the Clippers <laughs> the very first time, that was, like, the Zaza game. And he had this one, it was, like, an and-one layup or something, and after he hit it, he fell on the ground, and he was, like, pumping his fist and it was like everybody loved Zaza that night because he showed up DeAndre Jordan it's like I think Boban he's just waiting for that kind of moment and it'll be it'll be awesome who's the equivalent of a DeAndre Jordan this year like who could Boban show up that would be that big (sighs) I don't know I mean obviously the storyline isn't (laughs) the storyline isn't quite there but I mean the history with the Lakers and all of that that happened at the beginning of the year and mm. then Luca being a LeBron fan. I mean, I think that would be cool if he could do something against the Lakers. But again, that would depend on the matchup and the playoffs. So yeah. I don't know if that would actually happen. Yeah, if it's a game down the stretch, like if it's DeAndre again, then maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you. yeah. All right, let's move on from something or nothing to uh, Sydney, what are you most looking forward to from Luca? It could be something that you're looking for uh, for him to improve at something, you know, that you just miss seeing him do because he hasn't played a lot of games recently. Um, what are you looking for from Luca throughout the rest of this stretch? Okay, so Luca is a very fast learner. Like his moves and counter moves, it's like he adds a new thing every game, which is pretty insane when you think about it. But one thing that he hasn't completely learned or accepted is that he doesn't have to do everything and i think the last game before the break was so great he he deferred some he let others run the offense several times he let kp do his thing but he still had a huge impact on the game and i think that's the ideal version of luca and really of like the luca and kp duo but i want to see if he if he learns that lesson like if he gets it now or will he go back to taking like 10 three-pointers and making two of them? You know, I, I want to see if he learns that. And and it's not a bad thing. Like every young player has to learn that, that I don't have to do everything. I can, you know, use my teammates. So it's not like this is abnormal, but I just want to see, will he learn that this year? Yeah, that's the, that's the next level in his maturity on the court, I think. Yeah. Um, he makes players better, but I don't know if he makes players better consistently enough to where he he empowers them. And this has been my thing. I, I feel like a broken record. I've said this so many times, but he has to learn how to empower Porzingis because Porzingis right now isn't yes. you know confident enough to demand the ball and to be the second guy, sometimes the first option on offense. 
Uh, especially when Luca is on the floor, especially when Luca is in the game, even when Luca is like on the bench, Porzingis yeah. still has not been that guy. And so Luca learning how to to do that, and I think your point is great that he has to, uh, he, he doesn't have to do everything himself. When when things get down to, to crunch time, and even you know when the Mavericks are losing a lead or like all of a sudden another team is going on a run where they're up ten and it could all of a sudden be twenty, Luca seems to try and take over in those moments, and he doesn't have to do that. The Mavericks can still play their version of basketball he's not the one that has to take every single shot yeah okay tell me if this is a completely crazy or stupid thing to say he luca definitely makes the team better but he doesn't always make the players better and i mean like Mm. yes he adds like probably 20 wins just because of his production alone but like you were saying empowering porzingis or allowing someone else to to take a shot or to run the offense if he's kind of gone cold like those kinds of things it's not that he's a selfish player again I think it's just that he's young he definitely makes the team better but I think he could do a little better job of making his the players better I don't know does that is that crazy am I way off base with that no I think I'm tracking with you I think that there's there's levels to to maturity you know there's levels that like LeBron had to hit and all these guys have to hit that you come in and you can make the right play for the team. And I think Luca does that. He makes the right play for the team. You know, we've seen him pass off game winners to Tim Hardaway Jr. And we've seen him make the right play mm-hmm. into the corner instead of forcing something at the rim or forcing another step back, uh, even though he should drive mm-hmm. every time and not take a step back. But um, <laughs> we there's another level to where you make the right play for a player, right? Like you make the right play for the team, for the player. Like there's just a a different level of it that Luca can get to. And it's not, I don't even think what we're, we're saying is uh, a knock on Luca at all. I think it's just a next level in his maturity. I think it's actually saying that there's more growth that he can do. And this is the next level to, to make the right play for a player. So like to empower Porzingis to, you know, I think he's doing this for Tim Hardaway jr. He's putting him in the right spots to, you know, for him to succeed. Um, but for other players too, I think he can he can help them get to that level, and that's that's I think where Luca's game is going next. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, again, it's not it's not a bad thing. It's amazing that we're talking about this in his second year. Like in his second year, we should be talking about you know being more efficient at driving the lane or something. Like those are the things you're normally talking about or decision making to be talking about. Like, okay, how can he make the players better? In only his second year, that's pretty amazing that he's already progressed that far. Like, Russell Westbrook is in, what, his 10th season, and we're still talking about how he forces it offensively. So, (laughs) I mean, it's just one of those things he has to learn. And he has moments where he does really well at that. You know, again, we all go back to the Sacramento game. That was just a beautiful game from Luka. Um, So can he do that? Like, can he learn that? Or does he still feel like he has to do everything? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's his good next step. Um, All right, coming up, let's get into the schedule breakdown and then talk a little bit about Porzingis and what he has to do uh, coming down to the the stretch run into the playoffs. All right, Sydney, I want to get to the schedule breakdown real quick because there's some interesting things coming up. The Mavericks have 27 games left. One of them is uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on Friday, the Mavericks play against the Orlando Magic here in Orlando against uh, the, the Orlando Magic in Florida. Um, the oh, you're are, in Orlando? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I live in uh, like near Daytona, but I don't think I'm going to be able to go to the game. But they're here. Oh, okay, cool. Um, the Mavericks are on a 49 win pace, 
right now. They have four national TV games left, four NBA TV games left. 12 home, 15 away. So we're guaranteed a winning record throughout the rest of the season, right? <laughs> if there's more away than home. Yeah. Uh, four back-to-backs mm. left. Uh, there's two four-game road trips I want to talk about. February 26th to, the, to March 2nd, at San Antonio, at Miami, at Minnesota, and Chicago. That's a back-to-back. And that's kind of an easy one. At Minnesota, at Chicago. Uh, Towns seems to be out for the rest of the year. And then Chicago. So I'm not really not too worried about those games. March 16th to March 21st, at the Clippers, at Sacramento. That's a back-to-back. That one's interesting. The Clippers game especially is one that is really going to pique my interest. At Portland mm-hmm. and at Phoenix. Those are two four-game road trips that I think the Mavericks can really take advantage of. And if they win the majority of those games, they're I mean, they're already, I think, guaranteed the playoffs. I think the, the gap is just too wide. But those specific you know road trips, I think, are going to be huge for them. Yeah, I mean, and coming out of the break, I think it's six of their first seven games are on the road. And normally, for any other team, it would be like, crap. But with the Mavs, <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like, right, we could we'll do that. It, and we'll I mean, like... Yeah. And like you said, the the opponents are not too bad. Probably the hardest game is at Miami, which I have circled as one of the most important games because that's Luca's birthday. Mm. They're in Miami. It's on the road. They're a good team. I want to see like the Slovenian what are we gonna fans. Get from the There's going to be like a thousand, two thousand Slovenian yeah. fans, I'm told. Yeah. So I want to see what we get from the Mavs. But yeah, I mean, coming out of the break, they really have they have a favorable schedule. They could really do some damage if they take care of business. Yeah, the Mavericks do have some tough games, though. Two games at Denver or one game at home and one game at Denver, uh, but two games against Denver left two games against the Rockets still. So we get to see Luca and Porzingis hopefully against this Rockets small ball, which I really will find interesting. I'm really looking forward to those games. Uh, at the Clippers, we mentioned that. They also play against the Thunder, against Utah, twice against Memphis. Uh, they also play Milwaukee, the Miami game you mentioned. And then the last four games of the season. These are going to be interesting because this could you know, affect seeding and all this stuff. Home for Houston. Then, then it's home for Detroit. That one doesn't matter. Uh, at Denver. And then home <laughs> for the Thunder. Those are the last four games of the season. Like All, those, all three of those games could matter a lot for the Mavericks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the last game against the Thunder, that one is huge. Like, that's going to be a huge game. And and not, like, I think the Mavs are better than the Thunder. I hope that that game doesn't determine their seeding between them and the Thunder. Um, but regardless, it's going to determine their seeding in some way because it's a Western Conference opponent. Um, it's going to be a tough game. It's the Thunder. So that that's a huge game, um, especially, like you said, playing Denver, you know, the game before that. It's, it's going to come down to the wire. I mean, as it always does. I hope it's kind of one of those games where it affects seeding, though, because that game then is, you know, a, a, basically a pre-playoff game. Right, it's not. Yeah. It's not to the level of remember that um, that Nuggets um, Minnesota Timberwolves game that was like essentially a play-in game. Like whoever wins this gets the eight seed. It's not going to be like oh, that. I yeah. don't think, but it is going to matter something. And yeah. so I, that that game, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 going to be a big one. So that's the rest of the schedule. Um, it's not super hard, and there are some some really entertaining games. So looking forward to Mavs basketball. Let's finish up Sydney talking about Porzingis. Um, what are you looking forward to most from Porzingis throughout the rest of this stretch run? 
Okay, the only thing I wrote here is be more aggressive. And and you kind of talked about this with Luca empowering Porzingis. Like I do I do think he plays a role with that. Um but Porzingis can also be a little more aggressive and like there's a difference between being aggressive and forcing it. Sometimes Porzingis forces it. Like mm. he'll drive when there's not really a lane open. He rushes a shot on a post up, a like a post up shot. But when he's aggressive, he he moves more without the ball. He doesn't hesitate on open threes. He takes what the defense gives him. And I think that's a a mindset from Porzingis. And like I've noticed that uh, Carlisle doesn't. Like he doesn't baby you. If if you think that you should get more shots, <laughs> then you better Noel. put yourself. <laughs> yeah, but like if you want more shots, you have to put yourself in a position to get them. He's not gonna force feed you just because you're whoever. Like you know, Porzingis has to show that focus and that aggression, and then the ball will find him. And I think. I want to see him do that because that I think is the best version of him. And then again, the best version of, of him with Luca. Yeah. I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to, uh, is how he's, how he shoots in the mid range slash, like inside three outside of the paint, right? Like that mid range shot that we've all been, been tracking. We tweet about all the time. We watch during games. That's the thing I'm looking towards. Is it going to be, you know, those last six games before the all-star break, he was shooting, you know, something like 50, 60% from that area, and he was averaging like 28 points a game. Now, Luca was out for most yeah. of those games, but Porzingis is still shooting there and getting more confidence in that area. That opens up so much for his games. So that specifically, among all the things that you said, I think I'm looking at that and monitoring that the most. Yeah, I, I want to... Okay, so I want to ask you a question to see if if you notice this too. We've talked about this on the pod. It seems like sometime, well, a lot of times, Luca doesn't look for Porzingis after a after a pick like Porzingis will set a pick and then pop out to the three-point line and a lot of times he's wide open and it seems like Luca doesn't look for him in those moments or just you know in any moment really he's not looking for Porzingis (laughs) do you see that too like is that something that you notice we've seen those if, if he does hit him it's usually with the like behind the head or behind the back or the no look pass and so I don't know yeah. if he's, he's consistently looking for him, but I think he does see him, right? Because we've seen him, you know, kick out to him at times. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's this may go with the you know the Luca doing the best thing for the team or the best thing for Porzingis. I don't, I don't even know if getting Porzingis yeah. the ball in those spots is the best spot for him either. Like you want to get it to him when he's wide open. Like like make the defense think that he's going to shoot because he will, you know, and make them go out and guard him. Yeah. If, if they're not, then. You know, and if the if the defense is guarding him out there, then go ahead and drive it. And so I think that there's enough times that we've seen Luca, you know, kick out to him to know that he's there. Uh, but he's not gonna again, like Carlisle, he's not gonna force feed him. He's not gonna just give him the ball yeah. in that spot because that's not one of the best spots to give it to. And I hope, I hope that that Kings game gave us a precursor of what's gonna come with Luca sitting, seeing where Porzingis likes the ball on the floor, and giving it to him in those spots. Yeah, I mean, that was the blueprint. Like, that game is the blueprint. And I know it was the Kings. They're not a great team. Like, everybody looks good against the Kings. But it wasn't just about, like, the numbers or that they got the win even. It was just the way that they played, the style they played with. That was the best way. That was, I mean, in my opinion, that's the right way for them to play together. And, you know, a lot of that is is scheme, which I don't 
really know enough about you know i say vague things like aggression and mindset (laughs) and all this like i don't really know the x's and o's to make that happen but i know it when i see it and that king's game that was the blueprint for the best version of them on the court together absolutely sydney all right go ahead and plug your podcast plug your site whatever you want to plug how can people find you Okay, so I'm on Twitter at underscore Sydney Myers. The podcast is Dallas Hoops Fancast. I host it with Martin Myers. He's on Twitter too at Martin L. Myers. Are you guys related? Uh, you can listen to. Uh, we're married. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's hilarious. My wife. I can't uh, that's, imagine that's, doing a, a Mavs podcast with my wife. For some reason, I thought he was your brother. But. Oh no! Yeah, that's weird. But no. <laughs> No, we're married. Yeah, I, I actually I don't know whose idea it was to start it, but we talk about the Mavs all the time anyways. Like, even if we didn't record it, we would probably still just be sitting there talking about the Mavs. But <laughs> yeah, so um, that's the show. The website is DallasHoopsCast.com and you can listen to new episodes. And we also post articles and analysis there, too. There you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.